and we are back with another episode of Talking as a Free Action. I am your host, Owen, joined again today with our illustrious co-host, Marvin. Welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going, bud? It's going, it's going. And uh, a little bit late to start, but we have a bit of a fun episode, I think, lined up for today. Um, but uh, before we get into that, uh, how have your games been going? Uh, well, I I don't think I've played in a session since the last time I recorded, and I'm kind of sad about it. Yeah. Isn't that how it always goes, though, when it comes to, to D&D? It's like, you know, a lot of the time it's been planning about playing. Um, there isn't actually all that much game time. Mm-hmm. You know, between, like, the, the schedules and, you know, the actual time itself that's that's sectioned out. So it's like, wow, three hours to play? That's such a long time. It's like, yeah, but, like, you have to consider that, like, you only really play, after, like, every three times or whatever you actually plan to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not great. <laughs> no, it, it's not. But you know, it, it is what it is. It, it, it's tough sometimes. Uh, I find the older that we get, the the more responsibilities we have, the harder it is to get everybody in one place. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- those weekly ga- those uh you know, uh you know twice weekly games eventually trickle off to weekly, and then eventually bi weekly, and then once every month, and then you know. <laughs> eventually it's just you know a memory you know when was the last time we played i don't know just have we ever played before <laughs> well hopefully that's not the case hopefully the games are a little bit more memorable than that i don't know i don't remember what it's like to play a game i mean it was <laughs> what only a week, couple of weeks ago i think i don't know man i just say stuff you know that fair so um yeah it just you know and it sucks when you do have to miss a week because especially if you have stuff planned i mean sometimes you don't have anything planned and it's kind of a blessing in disguise but um but for sure when you have stuff that's like ready to go it kind of sucks to to have to you know trash the day and you know move on to something else so um but i mean moving on uh, so what do you got for us today topic wise uh well I think uh, I think we had decided on talking about in-game rewards for out-of-game things. Hmm. Yes, we did. I think briefly talk about this ahead of time. Boy, okay. Um, so I guess the short version for me is I'm not like generally a fan. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like Five E, I guess, kind of incentivizes this by having inspiration exist. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Right, because like the, the way the DMG sets up inspirations, like oh yeah, you can give it out for anything. You know, you could give it out for a you know good character moment, for whatever, or for just being funny. And it's like oh great, now we're grading humor. It's like your cards against humanity. Okay, wait, were you not grading humor before? Oh, I mean, I definitely do, but I I also usually forget about inspiration most of the time. Listen. What's the point of being funny if it's not going to get me extra stuff in D&D? Um, I mean, that's a good point. You don't have to be, I suppose. So now I shouldn't be funny? I mean, I'm just saying it's an option. You don't need to be. I hate it here. <laughs> Sounds like a lose-lose scenario. Yeah. Um. So, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I, I just feel like inspiration is one of those things that like I hardly ever use in the main campaign. But when we were alive, I did give it to everybody at the start. So, you know, I remember hmm. it there at least. All right. Well, that's something. It is. It and is. I mean, 
you did give me inspiration that one time. That one time. Yeah, that <laughs> one time. So maybe I should do it more in the live game. Maybe I should do it in preparation for the final fights. Yeah, that's not ideal. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. I mean, because like you guys are so for the home campaign for the, the audience that you guys just uh, entered the uh, the air quotes final dungeon, but mm-hmm. uh, haven't actually done anything there yet. So, you know, spoilers, I have to plan this dungeon still, which I, I have to have ready for two days from now. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like uh, normally dungeons are good for like weakening up the party. Like they usually go mm-hmm. in fresh. You know, it's not too often that there's a whole dungeon before you get to the dungeon, you know? Yeah, that that was a choice. I didn't hate it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely like, hey, this is a really remote place to get to in the first place. So, like, part of me is kind of thinking, like, maybe I don't make the dungeon super complex. But on the other hand, if I do make it super complex, then I can justify giving another level at the back end of it. Uh, Well, you could just, and hear me out here, just... Just throw those last few levels at us. Get us to 20 for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm truthfully, I am weighing the pros and cons uh, of, like, just dropping a few levels on you guys right at the end. Um, What's the worst that could happen? I mean, it's not really a downside. It's just, you know, it, it feels kind of like cheating, right? Because it's like, oh, I DM'd a campaign to level 20. It's like, yeah, but if you drop three, three or four levels at the same time, does it even really count? Uh, yeah, obviously it counts. I say just wanting to get to level 20. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm still weighing the pros and cons. Maybe if I have a, a, a compelling reason, I might do it. You you got the best reason you could ever ask for. Okay, I'm, I'm waiting to hear it because like, I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know. Somebody said something in, the, in our text chat. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess if you find it, send it back. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Nah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I kind of want to do it, but, you know, um, but we'll, we'll see how it is. Maybe if you guys, like, you know, buy me pizza or something, I'll consider it. See, I'm uh, tying it back. Now, see, hold on a second. If I only have to buy you a pizza, I, can I be the only one who's level 20 if I do it? <laughs> And this is why it's a slippery slope, right? <laughs> yes. I'm choosing violence. Stop. Stop. He's no. already dead. <laughs> Bringing this around to our uh, our um, off-recording off conversation about card games, when I told my uh, Digimon group about that story, one of them actually sent that meme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, when you get into an argument, you just gotta go in, right? Just gotta lay it all down. Yeah, some people are just dumb. That's how it be. Yeah, man. Eh, that's tough. But, uh... <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I think, broadly speaking, I'm probably against out-of-game rewards, although I haven't played in a ton of campaigns where they exist, but I definitely have played in some, and I don't know, to me they always felt bad. I don't know, I'm kind of mixed on them. Because, like, it feels nice to have your your stupid numbers go up for no reason. You know? 
Mm. Um, but at the same time, I kind of want to work for some of the things that happen to me in games. I guess to me, when it comes to in-game rewards, I want those in-game to, uh, rewards to be, you know, like tied to the game itself. Mm-hmm. To me, when you start to cross into the territory of, you know, do me a favor and I will award you, you know, 500 experience points or whatever it is, to me, it starts to to cross the line where you start to reward kind of like increasingly degenerate behavior, right? So, you know, we've played in campaigns where we've had DMs who were like, hey, you know, if you stat a monster for me or if you do X or Y, you know, I will award you with some bonus experience points. Um, Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like, when I look at that sort of thing, I, to me, I always end up feeling this kind of like level of resentment when people are able to take advantage of that thing. And I'm not afforded the opportunity because of like other responsibilities that I have. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I have to work that day, that's something that like, I can't do anything about. I need to work. I need to make money, of course, you know, to, participate in the capitalistic system that we have so that I don't starve and that my family doesn't starve. Yeah. So, mm-hmm, yep. you know, whereas like someone else who's in a different situation may not have anything better to do. And it's like, you know, and, and you go, okay, well, I guess so-and-so gets to earn an extra, you know, 4,000 experience points over the course of a month because they have nothing better to do. And maybe it's just the way that I tend to internalize that sort of thing but I always end up feeling bad about it afterwards. Like it's really hard for me to look at the other players progress and feel good about it in the same way that I feel good when, you know, if we're playing a game together and your character like discovers a cool magic item that really helps your kit, even if it would help me, it's cool when you get it too. Um, Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's a different feeling because, you know, we're kind of participating in that together right? Whereas this is just kind of, I don't know, it it feels different in a way that I guess I'm having a hard time articulating. Uh, yeah, no, I get it, though. Because, like, when you, let's say you, me, and one other person, we'll call him Jim, go on a quest, and we find a thing. The, the orange MacGuffin of badassery, right? If you and I both want that thing, we still feel like we earned it, and we still feel like we both get value out of it, even if we don't use it directly. <clears throat> um, but if if I, you know, buy the DM a pizza, and I get I get a free level up, that's just not the same thing. Just flat out, not the same thing. Yeah, because then I'm getting a level and you're getting nothing. I spent real life money. You didn't really get the chance to. Is it because it breaks the like pay to win paradigm? Is that is that why it feels bad? Ooh, maybe. Right, because when you look at it from the other perspective, you're kind of paying with your time. Like it's not always Mm -hmm. money that you're paying to win with, but you're paying with your time to win, which is another way of kind of breaking the, I don't know, like, I guess to me, when I look at 
D&D or TTRPGs, I always kind of feel like there's an unspoken rule that everybody at the table is starting from a level playing field. Mm-hmm. Right? But when you look around at that sort of behavior, it kind of starts to encourage... You know, it kind of breaks that illusion for me. And it's always been really important to me for my tables to feel like everybody is kind of on a level playing field. That's kind of why, for a long time, I strayed away from doing rolls for stats. That's why mm-hmm. I don't award experience. And even when I did award experience, it was always the same amount for everybody, regardless of what happened that game. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm just particularly averse to that, and maybe a table that does award individual experience for one reason or another would feel less weird about it. Um, I definitely think it is not quite the same feeling when everybody is getting individual experience numbers. Because, um, like, in Dylan's games, it doesn't feel as bad when Alan can stat 10 NPCs and get 1,000 experience when I'm getting 100 experience more than him on average per session, right? I think in situations like that where like it's not quite as imbalanced if somebody is taking advantage of it feels a little bit better. Maybe, but it feels like at that point all he's doing is he has to spend more time to make up for perceived inadequacies in his gameplay, you know? Yeah, I guess. Right? Because like that's what that is when your DM is awarding... If your DM is awarding experience based on the gameplay experience and he's consistently awarding one player less than somebody else, that's due to mm-hmm. a perceived efficiency in that person's gameplay, right? He's not demonstrating something that he want, that the DM wants them to display. And if the only way for them to kind of combat that is to then spend extra time out of game to earn that experience, that feels kind of icky to me. That's fair. No, I will say the one thing that I have had experience with um, that incidentally Dylan also did was birthday awards, right? Um, mm-hmm. Those never really bothered me too much. In fact, I thought they were kind of cool. Um, and I guess maybe it's because, again, like everybody has a birthday ostensibly. So maybe it's just yeah. that, that perception of like everybody always gets theirs and it's always something you know interesting, unique, whatever um, that mm-hmm. keeps it kind of fun. So I'm wondering if maybe that's something that we should that maybe it's just the perceived fairness of it. Maybe that's just what it boils down to for me. Um, yeah that that makes sense because like perceived fairness, even like I don't know if it's even perceived fairness because everybody does have a birthday. Everybody will get a bonus for their birthday, even if it's not like uniform bonuses. Everybody's getting one, right? Right. So, like, that is inherently fair. Everybody gets something. It's just when you get it. And still using Dylan as an example, his games never last less than a year. So everybody will have a birthday in that year. Unless they're Kyle XY. (laughs) Right, right. So, So that's the thing is, like, so that's the thing. When you look at it from like the player perspective, it doesn't feel as bad when Marvin gets his birthday bonus because you know that in a few months you're going to get your own birthday bonus. And it may not be mm-hmm. the exact same options. It'll be whatever the DM fancies at the time that he thinks will be cool additions to your build. But mm-hmm. it kind of adds to that kind of interesting mystique, right? Where it's like, 
you look at it and the DM's like, okay, we're going to, I have to stop saying the word like so often uh, when I go back and listen to these, uh, <laughs> to these recordings. Like, I swear I counted it something like, see, I'm doing it again. I, I counted the word like probably in the range of like 40 or 50 times over the course of the hour. Um, I didn't count it literally, but it was very close. Um, it felt it felt bad. And now that I've mentioned it, everyone who's listening to this is going to now tune into it. So every time mm-hmm. I say it from now on, people are going to start to keep count. I know it. I'm keeping count now. <laughs> yeah, I, I may end up cutting this part out because I don't want to do that. I don't want to burden our audience in that way. But it's something that I'm very, I'm trying to be very conscious of this this recording. So we'll see if it's any better. Let's hope. <laughs> So, so I think when you look at, I'm trying to be very thoughtful about my words, when you look at, as a player, you know that everyone is going to get something, and you know that mm-hmm. you're going to get something, and it's all going to be approximately equivalent. That's one thing. However, mm-hmm. when you turn around and say, oh, it's just arbitrary experience for X thing that you did for me, I think part of it too is like, is that that, that doesn't feel as interesting either Mm -hmm. see like if it was see if it was that hey i don't have enough time to stat this or do this miscellaneous task or whatever it is can you do it for me because i trust you not to metagame whatever yeah as a reward your character will earn a feat or something rather than just experience. I think even in that situation, it still feels kind of bad, <laughs> right? Because at that point, even though it's unique, it's different, we're still running into the problem of one person gets something just by virtue of having more free time. Mm-hmm. So I think when I look back on it and when I reflect on those sorts of situations, to me, it feels like something that everybody should have an equal opportunity to do. So even if you are going to say, hey, NPC, you know, NPC grind experience, whatever it is that you're doing for it, everybody will earn some, or everybody has an option to do it like once or something, like cap it in some way. Because what I don't think is interesting is when you roll, is when you throw your entire party balance off by letting someone get enough experience to then like jump a level or something. Because eventually Mm -hmm. that's where that leads if you go long enough. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And again, that is something that Dylan does do. He he generally gives everyone the opportunity to earn roughly the same bonus to do something similar. Um so it's not usually just Alan gets the opportunity. Maybe Alan gets more experience because he did it better, but everybody gets the same opportunity. Usually. Um I think that's Something that, like, it would be table-dependent. Because right now, everyone in Dylan's game knows that this is a thing that happens, knows that, you know, you generally have, like, a week or so to do whatever it is. And, like, if it's not something you're going to want to do, you're going to be passing up experience. Like, it's something we're all prepared for at the start of the game, you know? Yeah, I I guess it's like a... It's a... uh... I guess it's a session zero conversation. My thing is, though, is when I look at that, it just, it feels, it feels weird to, to expect your players to like, want to commit that 
that sort of time. And it feels weird to me that as a player, I would ex- be expected in order to keep up with the party levels. I'm expected to participate in that, even if I really don't want to or don't have the bandwidth to. And I'm almost penalized for that. I mean, like if that's the if that's the feeling, like as the player in the game, something you talk to the DM about, you know, mm-hmm. you don't just sit on the feeling. You you say, hey, listen. I'm not super comfortable with this. I, I just feel like once you once your DM is in the place where that's what they're doing on a regular basis, and again, no shade to Dylan. I think he's a great guy, and I think he's a fine DM. Um, but I, I think once he gets once you get into that sort of headspace, I think the issue that you run into is it's it becomes a very like well then don't do it. You don't need to get the experience. It's a bonus. To me, I don't like it when it feels like it crosses into such a frequency that you need to do it in order to keep up. You know, when everybody else is is benefiting from it, there is a real pressure there. And even if you talk to the DM, if they're not willing to stop it, then, you know, your option is to leave at that point or just accept that your character is going to be underpowered, despite the story not really reflecting that, which kind of stinks. And that's definitely... You know, and maybe that's just a weird way that I compartmentalize it, but that's something that I don't particularly like um, in the games that I play, and that's why I try to avoid. You know, it. it, it so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you said a very important word in there, and it's frequency, um, because it is not very frequent in Dylan's game as of right now that we have these these bonuses. Um, because I think if it's, I, I think we're like 40, 45 sessions in mm-hmm. right now. And I think it's happened you know, maybe four times over the course of the campaign so far. And like the experience differences aren't that big. I mean, like some of the experience differences are big, but it's because the players aren't playing. Wait, yeah, that's a different situation, right? Like, if but like, if you're the person who's running an experience-based game and you're warning experience based on attendance, and you know Johnny Lou can't show up, you know, mm-hmm. eight weeks in a row because one reason or the other, but you don't want to drop them from the campaign, or they haven't shown up for eight weeks over the course of the month of the last, you know, eight months or whatever it is, and they're a bit behind the curve because of it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of just. It is what it is. It's why yeah. I prefer milestone leveling to avoid that problem. But if you do experience, you probably don't care if some of the players pull ahead than the other. Yeah. Um, but of the, I want to say five of us who who have been regularly attending for the vast majority of the campaign, um, I think, I think Jacob has done the fewest extra experience things and he's exactly middle of the pack Mm -hmm. and i am i think i've done the most i've definitely done the most and i'm just a little bit ahead of him and alex has done the least and he's just barely behind him Mm -hmm. so like i think frequency is a big factor in whether or not these out of game things should be okay yeah i mean i I think that 
I think when I look at it too, this kind of arises in games where you're like experience is the easiest way to do it because it's a very, you can adjust those numbers to kind of do whatever you want them to do. So if mm-hmm. you're the kind of person who's awarding experience for out of game favors, right. Um, and I think that those favors, like it should be very clear, should not be like, like not be weird. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Please, please do not ask for weird favors. Like, don't ask somebody to rub your feet for experience. <laughs> Why do we both think the same thing? That was the first thing I thought. Of. <laughs> it's like foot rubs, um, you know, or anything more explicit than that, right? Um, obviously, uh, if the DM is saying, "Hey, I'll give you a level up if you insert, you know, insert uh, eighteen plus action here." Then clearly, that is not like a safe situation. Um, yeah, get out while you can if that's what's happening. Yeah. Uh, even if you're in a relationship with that DM, that is a weird thing to do to somebody. That is a weird that's, thing. That's a weird power dynamic for a and d table. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't capitulate. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but I guess in tables where you, they are doing awards, like XP awards, that's kind of like the easiest thing to do. Um, I guess I can see that as a, an excuse to kind of help catch somebody up. And that makes sense to me. So, if, for instance, you're running a campaign for three months and Bob, Sam, and Billy Joe are playing your campaign and Sam, for whatever reason, has fallen behind, you know, they missed a couple of weeks. And, you know, after the course of three months, they're now pretty close to like a level and a half behind or whatever. And you want to catch them up so that your counter building is a little bit easier. I could see that as being a reasonable excuse of saying, hey, Sam, um, I know your character's like, you know, 8,000 experience behind. Um, I can kick you 4K if you do, if you make a couple NPCs for me, or if you, you know, draw a battle map for me, you know, something like that. To me, like, whenever I look at those favors, I always kind of assume that they are pertaining to the game in some capacity. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, I don't, I think the minute that you cross from game related favors to like exterior to that, I think at that point we've now gone, gone a bridge too far. So even though I was joking about you buying pizza, right? Like that to me is like a big no-no because even though that's like pretty tame as far as like you know favors are concerned, um, I think that that is like a bridge too far, right? Because now we're like paying to win literally. Um, Listen, I am bringing a pizza to the next in-person game, and you are going to give me a level above Julian and Alan. <laughs> but like that's mad insulting because I'm gonna make food. <laughs> Exactly. It's just like a power play, right? It's like you go to a place, you know that the host has like spent time and, and energy and money making like food to feed the entire table, and you're like, yeah, but I'm just bringing a pizza just to assert dominance. I'm not even going to eat the pizza. You're going to eat the pizza. <laughs> yeah, if somebody serves you food and they refuse to eat it, be concerned. Oh yeah, every time. Like, number one, it means they probably didn't taste it when they cooked it. Which is generally a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Number two, it might be poisoned. I, I guess that is also technically possible. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, was, I would say the tasting thing is probably a more present concern, right? Taste no, no, food. you should always be afraid of assassination by poison. Home cooks, please taste your food. Yes, please. Don't, don't just throw things in, in a pot and not see how it tastes before you give it to people. Yeah, or like, you know, don't just like salt stuff and just assume that it's enough or not enough. 
Bro, cooking tips. As long as it's not raw meat, you can taste basically anything as it cooks and adjust seasoning as it as desired. This is true. This is true. Also, surprisingly helpful tip: uh, keep white vinegar in your in your pantry because you'd be surprised how much adding acidity to stuff sometimes really makes it taste a lot better. Mm-hmm. Lemons are a good alternative to that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, acidity, man. It it does a lot. You know, when you're when you're cooking. It's, uh... I don't know when we turned into a cooking podcast, but here we are. <laughs> Look, man. If people are going to listen to us talk about D and D for hours, the the least they can do is uh, entertain our minor tangents on cooking. Just like all of our other minor tangents. I mean, unlike those, this is at least has the potential to be personally helpful to somebody. Yeah, this is a real life skill, I guess. Uh, cooking definitely is, and something that not a lot of people do. <laughs> what do you mean? Lots of people cook. <laughs> not many people cook well. That's true. Big facts. <laughs> also, just just watch YouTube videos. You can learn how to cook basically anything on YouTube. Oh, I know. There's so many channels nowadays. And if you watch enough videos, you learn the skills so that you don't need recipes to make something edible. Yeah, that's also helpful. You eventually just kind of start to pick up what flavors go with what. Yeah, the the actual skills are what really makes you good at cooking. It's not being able to follow a recipe necessarily. Yeah, it's be, being able to correct the recipe. <laughs> As uh, sometimes those recipes are not too good. The biggest facts. What's your uh, what's your your favorite idiosyncrasy idiosyncrasy that you find in uh, cooking recipes, if there are any? I'm gonna be real honest. I've followed exactly one recipe in the last like five years. <laughs> Sick flux. <laughs> So, so the one recipe that I, the, the recipe like idiosyncrasy that I find that always like cracks me up every time I see it is when they're like mm-hmm. caramelized onions should take three to five minutes. No, it oh, does not. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, so, you know, get a little bit of brown on your onions. Yeah, sure. Caramelize <laughs> three to five minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Excuse me. Like, one of two things is happening here, right? Either we're not using the proper definition of what a caramelized onion is, or two, someone who knows better willingly lied in order to keep the the cook time down on the stat sheet in order to trick people into cooking it. I I really hope it's the former. I prefer incompetence over malicious any time. Well, like, if I hand you a recipe and I tell you, oh, hey, this recipe is really good. You just have to caramelize some onions, and that's you know twenty percent of the of the full cook time of the meal. <laughs> you know, full thirty percent or whatever to to add some caramelized onions to this burger that I want to cook. You know, if I told you the actual time, it's like, oh yeah, this is t- going to take you like twenty to five to thirty minutes to caramelize these onions if you want to do it properly. No uh, one's going to make I'll... that. Listen, listen, listen. I would. But like, for stuff like that, you have to know how long it takes ahead of time. You have to prepare to start that much earlier than you normally would. And like, I get not everybody has that much time to cook. I get it. But like, those are the kinds of recipes that are like special treat recipes, you know? Yeah. Those are the things you do every once in a while when you feel like treating yourself. (laughs) Uh. And thus concludes uh, Cooking Tips with Marvin and Owen. 
I think that is the most animated I've been on this entire podcast. <laughs> we'll have to go back and double check. <laughs> Maybe we should just audible into a cooking show. We'll we'll just do 50-50, right? We'll do 50% D&D, and then the last half of the episode will wake you up a bit by talking about food stuff. Talking is a free action, and cooking is a full round. <laughs> cooking is a full round. That's good. <laughs> Thank you, I try. Uh... If someone was cooking in combat, yeah, I guess it would be kind of a full round thing because cooking takes time. Mm, it, it would be a few rounds minimum. <laughs> like <laughs> you go to serve the food or whatever, it's like eight rounds in. It's like you do the conversion. You're like, yeah, there's no way that steak is medium rare. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> still, still stone cold <laughs> on the inside. What are you talking about? But it's been ten rounds. It's like, yeah, buddy, ten rounds ain't a lot of time. And rounds is a minute. It takes at least six to cook a steak. <laughs> that steak is still mooing on the inside, trust me. It's raw! Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. You know what's funny, too, is like, I've, I've, only ever I think played one player character who was like a specialist in cooking. Interestingly enough, but I feel like it's something that like every party should have somebody who's the kind of the dedicated to cook. Oftentimes, it's me. <laughs> I'm actually, thinking. I I'm actually like surprised that when we played Pokemon Tabletop, I didn't do chef. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was definitely a version of a of the character you could play. Mm-hmm. I guess the other thing, too, is, like, in, in 5e, at least, there isn't really, like, a good way to do that archetype. Like, it's kind of just, like, a thing that your character can do, but there aren't really any very many mechanical ways to represent that. I mean, there's the one chef feat that they added later on, but, like, outside of that, nothing really. And honestly, not really worth it. I mean, it's cool flavor. The problem with the feats is that, like, unless you're a fighter, you're not going to have enough opportunities to take them to really accentuate your build. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder if that's a good argument for making those into rewards. I mean, I guess. Particularly in 5e, because, like, they're an optional rule anyways, technically. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're playing a game where you're just not using feats... I think that would be like a cool, hey, you get this bonus ability that you wouldn't otherwise have. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. How, how do you feel about doing kind of higher power campaigns then by awarding additional like feats or ASI or having players start with extra feats or things like that? Um, if you're if you're rolling for stats in 5e, I don't I don't care either way, honestly. Um because like rolling is already imbalanced anyways, you've kind of chosen to play an imbalanced campaign. Mm-hmm. So like, that's fine. I don't see any harm in giving stuff like feats as rewards in that situation. I'm sensing a butt. Um, I thought about a butt, and then I was like, mm, no, not really. I don't, I don't really see a problem with it. It's just not my vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. 
Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think if you're doing point by, if you give everybody the option to get an extra feat, I think that that's, again, keeping it fair, right? So that if somebody wants to take a feat that gives them an extra point in something, at least that's their choice. And everybody has that option ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, rolling for stats, I actually rolled for stats for the first time in quite some time recently. How did that make you feel? <sighs> it was exciting, I think. You think? Yeah, I mean, I may have felt a lot more different about it if they had turned out poorly, certainly. (laughs) That's fair. That's super fair. Like, as it is, the stats turned out probably pretty close to what a normal point buy would have generated, so it's hard for me to feel too specific about it. I mean, I rolled rolled a 16 and a 15? No, a 16 and a 14 and a 15, and then the rest were like 13 and 12. So, like, a little bit better than point by would normally generate, but, you know. I'm also playing fighter, so I'm going to get more ASIs than normal anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I normally would get more ASIs, but because we rolled and my stats are kind of okay, I'm just going to end up taking a bunch of feats. As you should. The <laughs> most correct choice. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to build, like, a, a Mage Hunter character for the for the campaign, so I think to make that work, I think a lot of feats are kind of nice to have. You know, mm-hmm. must be of. nice. I wish I had feats. Well, what if instead of giving you guys three levels, I give you guys a level and like two extra feats? No, I want the three levels. <laughs> well, what if what if three levels is not on the table? Oh well, then I'll take what I can get. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what we should do. We should have uh, we should have Arnon draw from a deck of many things. That's that's what we should I, do. No, I'll quit. <laughs> I mean, he does. He does have a deck of illusions that counts for something. I. He does. Yeah. How long has he had this? Mm. That sounds so useful. Maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's had it the whole time because uh, I I found the uh, deck box with the card set aside because I had taken it when I moved, but like I still have it. So he's, his character still has it. There's no reason that he can't use it. I would just have to draw from the deck for him. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> and I'm so upset that it's never been used. Yeah, it never been used and never so much as mentioned. Think about this real quick, Owen. We have been playing this campaign with me in it for two and a half years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, wow. And this has not just never been used. It's never been brought up that this is a thing he owns. <laughs> you know, when you put it that way, it sounds kind of insane, right? Yes! How long did it take for me to actually, like, talk about that tea set that I had? Like, I don't know, five sessions before it was brought up for the first time and then I got rid of it? Yeah, I missed that tea set. That was a cool tea set. Yeah, it was just impractical for the campaign we're in yeah but it could have been practical in another version of the setting i suppose Mm-hmm. so i i, I guess uh, we should probably let them know it was a tea set where whoever drank from the tea set was under the effect of a uh zone of truth spell no save just if you drank from it it affects you yeah it was sick actually really powerful effect the trick is you have to get the other person to drink from a tea set <laughs> you know so, not an easy thing to do. 
No, not, not, particularly not in the particular situation, because you guys were kind of... The, the major NPCs that you were negotiating with were spirits at the time, so it wasn't super helpful in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, I suppose... But it's it, fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it would have been fun if you had kept it long enough to, like, get Raoul to drink it, I guess? I don't think he would accept anything that I tried to feed him. Probably not, but, you know... That's He's a very mistrustful person by that's default. What, that's what persuasion checks are for. <laughs> I'm not good at those. You only have to be good at it once. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, generally speaking, your NPC should be mistrustful of anything that your player characters are trying to serve them. You're not wrong. Yeah. Reminded of the uh, the infamous uh, cupcake. Was it a cupcake? I think it was a cupcake from Critical Role. From Critical Role? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, not gonna spoil that, but you know, if you know, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm gonna just put it this way: I don't even watch Critical Role, and I know the exact details of this story. It's that good. Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, top tier, top tier role playing for sure. Anyways, so it's gonna be a bit of a short episode, I think, this time, but uh, I think we're gonna go ahead and call it there. Uh, any uh, closing thoughts for tonight, man? Flip your stakes frequently. If anyone who says it has to sear for a whole side before you flip it is trying too hard. Oh, 100%. Yeah, just flip it. You, you can build the crust gradually. There's no there's no shame in that. Um, but definitely... It also cooks more evenly. <laughs> true story, true story. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's what we should do. We should just spend the next 15 minutes talking about cooking tips that we've developed over the years. <laughs> no, no, we've already said we're ending the episode. That, yeah. My closing thoughts was cooking tip number three. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, if you do want to hear more from us, uh, more about our cooking strategies, uh, you can feel free to, to find us on Twitter. I'm at Vlad Viver. You can catch Marvin at Taiyugetsu. You can find the show at TIAFA Podcast on Twitter. Um, for now, uh, we also have an Instagram, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So go follow us there in case Twitter implodes because, you know. Elon Musk is driving it into the ground. Yep. He's 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 going for the speed run for the for the world record. <laughs> How fast can I tank this company? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the any percent record. Um so um so yeah, you can check us out on there for now. Um and if you want more cooking tips, you can add us, I suppose. Uh and we'll we'll do what we can. Um other than that, uh, you can always catch new episodes every Sunday. Um we do upload the episodes onto Spotify, uh, which is where you're probably listening to this, if I can trust our uh, analytics um, but if you're not uh and you watch it somewhere else then you know please let us know i uh, definitely will be interested to find out and uh if you have a capacity to leave a review we definitely do appreciate those um they do help out the show way more than you think um so with that you know uh take care of yourself flip your stakes like marvin said have a good one everyone